If they had lived in Old Testament times, they would have undoubtedly been stoned or mauled by bears. If they had lived in the time of Jesus, he would have rolled his eyes at them endlessly as he exercised their demons. If they had lived during the Reformation, Martin Luther would have nailed his 95 Thesis to their foreheads. But lo and behold, here we are, and somehow, each of them is responsible for leading the church in a different way. There's Kendall, the youth minister and mustache expert. Hunter, the rookie youth minister with the hair of Absalom. Coach Rhodes, a pre-youth minister whose observations leave you wondering, why? And Brandon, who's abandoned his youth ministry roots and is now largely useless. It's the Practical for the Pew podcast. Thanks, Justin, our big voice guy. As he said, this is the Practical for the Pew podcast. I want to read a quick quote from the book that we've chose. Warning, this is a difficult book, not because it's hard to read, but because it makes me uncomfortable, radically uncomfortable. I hope the same is true of this podcast. If you're a Christian, I hope you journey with us as we strive to follow and obey the living Jesus. If you're not a Christian, well, our hope is the same. We challenge you to follow and obey as well. Test this Jesus thing out. We firmly believe that he will surpass your wildest dreams. That's because Jesus is radically uncomfortable and following him forces us to be the same. So Hunter, you chose this book. Why don't you set it up for us? Yeah, absolutely. So um, this book is the number two book um, that came from Nick Ripkin, and it's called The Insanity of Obedience. And his first book was called Insanity of God. And just a little backstory on who Nick is. That's his alias. Um, Nick travels all over the country, um, all over the world, um, preaching Jesus. And a lot of his time spent is in North Africa, I believe, and it becomes really dangerous for him to share his faith. So he, he writes under this alias as Nick and um, continues to write and talk about these stories, talk about the people he interacts with, um, really just for his safety. And something um, that we've been talking about a lot and also conversations I've been having with many people in ministry is something we lack here in the Western culture is obedience. Um, we don't follow out um, this calling that Jesus has set, set upon for us. And so I think jumping into this book and just where we're at, and, you know, I got, I got a lot of pushback from a few of the guys here on the podcast because, you know, the book's over 300 pages, but I think it would be obedient for us to go ahead and jump in and read it. <laughs> we are a simple people. Uh, <laughs> it's bigger than a Harry Potter novel, dude. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, while, when you say that, Hunter, it makes me think of on page five, um, for those of you at home, one of the cool things uh, that he says about um, obedience is that if we are to go, if we are to be sent out like the Great Commission, to go make disciples, to go follow in Jesus' footsteps, if we are to go 
we are to go on his terms, not ours. There's only one way to go, and it's on God's terms. And if we go at all, we go as sheep among wolves. And I think that's hard for us. We want to go on our, our terms. We want to serve as long as it fits within what we want. We want to share Jesus as long as it fits how we want to do it and who we want to do it to. And true obedience is no, that's, that has nothing to do with it. And it's God's terms and God's terms only. And that's basically what you're saying here. Is we got to learn how to do that. Man, that's big time. And I love that you pointed out the sheep amongst wolves. Um, our obedience is going to require us to die to ourselves. Uh, And I think that is something that we have missed radically. Are are we really willing to be a sheep, to be totally defenseless, to be taken advantage of, to sacrifice, to not get our way in the name of Jesus? I, I don't know how much I see that in my own life, let alone the life of the church. Yeah, I would like to, add a little bit to that. Um, I had a thought um, earlier today that, you know, not only do um, Americans struggle with immorality, you know, because everyone in the world struggles with immorality, um, whatever sin it may be, but Americans also have um, everything handed to them. You know, we have cars, we have houses, we have, you know, we have jobs where we make a lot of money we can we can go buy food without without having to rely on god for anything really and it makes it that much harder for us to be obedient to him when we can go buy stuff and we can go you know go afford stuff like that and so if we're if we're not originally being obedient in terms of morals and in like and following him and, and being righteous through him um that's already one thing that's so it's so difficult to do. And then another one is now, oh, we're, we live in America. We have to give away all the stuff because we're so rich. That just makes it really hard. And so being obedient, this book, I think will help all of us um, just really engage with that. Hey, how do we become, how do we become obedient? How do we serve God in, in, in America where, where we're so blessed with, with all this material stuff and all this, uh, you know, everything that we have and just how do we, how do we do that? And so I think this book will really, will really help us out a lot. So, and Matt, I love what you said. And as you're talking, it made me ask this question in my head, and this is for you guys. So is America in a general term, are we all the rich young ruler then with Jesus? Because we have so many possessions compared to the rest of the world. Are we in a lot of ways, the rich young ruler? Dude, that same passage was jumping to my mind. Um, have, have you ever heard anyone claim, man, I feel like Jesus is, is telling me to sell everything and give to the poor? I, I know I haven't. Yeah. I mean, I, I know this. My sister, my sister has some friends who, who, who pray and, and rely on the Holy Spirit a lot. And there's been a couple of times where they have, where they have felt God's calling to, um, you know, to give away their entire paycheck. And they just, they just felt like God put it on their heart and um, they did. And God was able to provide, he, he provided the exact dollar that they needed. You know, they needed their expenses paid, like their bills and everything. So I find that pretty cool when you hear stories like that, you just don't hear a lot of them. And I think the subject of this book, the subject of this episode, uh, obedience or lack thereof, is why we don't hear those stories. 
Yeah, for reference, Mark chapter 10, starting verse 17, is the rich young ruler. That You can read that later and, and get maybe a little reference for what we were talking about just right there. But to answer that question, Kendall, I mean, it really, we really are. Like, we, we how often do we pray, God, God, please provide me with some food? Because I don't, I don't know where I'm going to get it today. Like, do we ever do that? Have you guys ever done that? No. I mean, I've heard a handful of stories of something like that, but nothing like, you know, people in other countries who are, who are dirt poor, who can't, who can't go, go find food. And they're like, God, please provide me with something. And then, you know, you hear that God provides and you're like, wow, that's incredible. But And if you, if you start to rely on God for your essential needs, then you'll start to rely on him in every other need too. So if you start to be obedient to what he can essentially give you, then you're going to start being obedient to everything else he, de- he demands and, and calls for you. And I think that's what we're missing is the bare necessities of obedience is to simply say, Lord, I need you in this very moment. That even what I'm eating right now, you provide it. I might have earned that. I might have earned that, that money, but it's because you gave me that job. It's because you gave me the, that skill set. Or you gave me that gift. And so the bare necessities of obedience is to understand where that where those things come from. And it's not from us. Yeah, and you know, to to jump in here, I don't want to um criticize in any way, but I just jumping out for our listeners and stuff, I just want to be weary of general generalizations saying um we as the United States don't have this issue, because we do know um, in some of our communities, this is a real struggle for people. Um, but it, but it jumps yeah. to the question of insanity of obedience. Well, if we're in this Western nation, if we have however many churches um, in a single county, and sometimes it's even over hundreds for a single county, if you have this many churches, then why why are people hungry um, uh, around you? Like if we're really being obedient to Christ, if we're following out, this plan marked out for us, we shouldn't have that issue. We should be able to generalize no one is hungry here in the United States. But often we we fall prey to generalizations. And I just want to be careful of that, but also to say it it faces itself right back to the book. Dude, that sounds exactly like Brother Andrew in the foreword. Um, He says, obedience is exactly what the Lord calls each of us to, regardless of our location or our circumstances. You will find out that the answers as to how one comes to obey are not easy. But the church, as I can testify from my country of Holland, where Brother Andrew's from, I guess, um, it's not growing where living out the faith is easy. We need to get back to the radicalness of the gospel message. And if we do, it'll begin a revolution and then he goes on to say, we might even win the world, uh, which, man, I took that very convicting. Uh, and then listening to you, Hunter, talk about the, the prevalence of churches and then also the prevalence of poverty. What if we were so radical that the church was responsible for getting rid of poverty? Man, we might win the world. Yeah, I think that leads me to something that I saw um, in the prologue. Uh, where it said, um, you'll find that most of the time in any community of believers, that two-thirds of those people in that community are members of the church, are members of that body of believers. And only one-third of those people 
or what we would call true followers of Christ. And then to define the difference between a member and a true follower is um, church members, to be true followers of Jesus, they have to lead others to Christ and help plant more house churches, or those are in other countries, or to help um, build onto the kingdom. And so the main question of this whole book is, am I simply a member of the church, or am I a true follower of Jesus Christ? And that hit me, because one of the questions I always ask myself is, how would my life look if I wasn't in full-time ministry, right? And it's easy for me in full-time ministry to not have another job, to be able to go out and share the gospel to others. But how would that look like if I didn't have that? How, how would that look like in a secular job? Or how would that look like in my everyday life when I go out to Applebee's or when I go to the grocery store? Am I making true followers of Jesus? And therefore, am I being a true follower of Jesus? Or am I just being a member of my community? You know, and that's, that should be a question that, that punches us in the gut for all of us, no matter where we are in our faith walk. So ask the question, am I a member or am I a true follower? And how do I become a true follower? That's great. Um, I think a better way to ask that would be to ask people around us who are not followers of Jesus, who are not members of a church, and ask them what their perception of us is. Oh, totally, I yeah. think uh, we... We construct our own reality. We think we're following Jesus and doing great, but you know, uh, do we look like a country club or do we look like uh, disciples, uh, radical disciples who are obedient to everything Jesus says? Um, you know, Brandon, to kind of uh, illuminate, illuminate more with what uh, Brother Andrew said, uh, you know, he tells a story of, of his, his friend that was a Muslim imam. He, he was a professor. He was a teacher of um, people who were Muslims and, you know, studied the Quran. He, he even, it says he memorized the Quran in its entirety um, in Arabic. He didn't even speak Arabic. And, 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 and that is nuts. You talk about winning this world. Um, you know, what, what is it to say? You know, he quotes here. He said, my friend announced I want to be an imam for Jesus. Like what if like even speaking to people of different faiths to say this, this man who taught and who was ran out by his family, who were also teachers of the Quran to say, I want to be a mom for Jesus. You know, I want to be a Hindu for Jesus. And it's like, like, even though, yes, that's, that's kind of a weird uh, theology statement we'd look at, but it doesn't matter. The, the presence of, this man saying, I want to chase after Jesus. I want this. And, you know, it, it's, it's weird in my language and it sounds um, to obtain it might be, might be more different than, than I've ever been used to, but Jesus sounds so good to me. I want to be him, but the only thing I've known is my religion. I want to be him. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, you need outside people to be able to speak that truth. Or, or even just bold people in your own life. We, we need to have people in our lives that we're not afraid to confess to, but we're also willing to hear their criticism and willing to hear their, their spiritual you know, correction in us too. So, because we can get blinded by our own reality. What really stuck out to me was uh, we need to be like sheep and, and 
no matter no matter if we're going into the wolves like we've we've got to be like sheep um and that that's just it mean i mean it's it sounds it sounds bad cuz because sheep are dumb but we're dumb um and, and compared to god right cuz god is so righteous god is so knowledgeable god is so strong he we can't even grasp how how great he is and yet you know, we struggle so much that we need him to lead us. We need him to be our shepherd. And if we're truly following him, like we're talking about, we have to be sheep. We have to be like, God, you move me. You, you take me where you want me and then be obedient to that. Um, that's only through prayer and, and, and through scripture reading. And then, and then hearing God and being like, Hey, I hear you. And, and Hey, Go do this. Go do that. And we got to go do it. And so um, whether that means, you know, whether that means, and it, it really also brings me to to my favorite, one of my favorite pastors, Francis Chan. Like that dude, him and his family, like you know, sold everything to go move to China because that's what God called them to do. And they're out living in China, sharing the gospel and just, just stuff like that. Like, are we willing to be bold and, in the gospel and go and go move to some foreign country or some foreign land that we're not used to, to go share the gospel. If God calls us to do that, are we going to be obedient to that? And what if, what if God calls us to, to go somewhere where we have a chance to, to possibly, you know, be persecuted, you know, like Jesus was, or like Paul was like, where we might be persecuted. Are we willing to go do that? Are we willing to risk our lives for his name? And a lot of times we don't, we don't face that here in America, but, if we were to face that or if we were called to go somewhere else where we would, would we go do it? And so that just, I've always had that question. Like, would I be, would I be someone that is, that is willing to go sacrifice my life for the name of Jesus? And I sure hope I would, but I'll never find that out until, until that day comes, if it ever comes. Uh, My answer to that is possibly harsh. So just, you know, get ready. That's Um, okay. (laughs) The, the reason we're not persecuted in America and the reason we speak in hypotheticals of what I obey, so go overseas and do this in a radical, you know, in, in our t- stereotypical mindset, when I go to a radical Muslim nation in the Middle East, um, the answer is no, we wouldn't because we won't even go across the street and knock on our neighbor's door and invite them to dinner. Um, so until we start being obedient in our neighborhood, God's not going to send us somewhere else because he knows he, we're not being obedient with the little that we have. I cannot agree more. I think, I think that goes back to what we said at the very start, that that God is asking us to get rid of everything. That's what he asked the rich young ruler, right? And that everything is going to look different for everybody. And Hunter kind of said that. We don't want to speak in general terms, right? So your everything is going to look different. But God's still calling you to give up your everything. And maybe your everything is going across the, the street and talking to that neighbor. Maybe your everything is maybe you work in a workplace where the culture there is to cuss and to be derogatory and, and to treat people poorly. And, and so your everything is to change that lifestyle and that workroom and face maybe being isolated. Right. And so your everything is going to look different. But that's what obedience is, is God's going to call you to give up your everything. Hunter, tell us uh, concretely. Not hypothetically. How do we obey um, what we've talked about tonight, what we've read so far? 
So um, let me first off laugh um, in, in the fact of just coming back to chapter one here to, to talk about how do we do this. I think the first part is um, we have to acknowledge. Um, we have to stop being ignorant. And I say laugh as in, um, let me read this, this small little part. Um, and it's, he says here on page three, he says, and notice this, Jesus did not ask the sheep to behave like wolves. And he certainly did not suggest that the wolves would behave like sheep. So I laugh at this because we're talking about us being obedient. We're talking about here in the Western culture, how to be obedient. And, and that's funny because talking about that quote, oftentimes we throw and, and not to get fully political here because um, a lot of people that that seems to the, be their trigger for some reason um, that I, I don't know why that that's the thing that sets us off, um, but that it, it is. And and it's the confusing part is we who are supposed to be obedient, we're supposed to be meeting people where they're at. Oftentimes we think they should be meeting us where we're at. You know, we're expecting a politician to um, follow all of these Christian ideals to, to understand this Jesus of the new Testament, to lay down our life, um, lay down everything that we have. We're, we're expecting them to meet us. And, and that's just not how it works. And so you talk about a concrete way. Um, I think, I think the first step, man, we have to, we have to acknowledge, um, that we're doing it wrong. We have to acknowledge that, um, (laughs) the way that, we have to we have to understand our own um, bias in in the testament. We have to understand that we may be reading in, and and that's not okay for us to be able to say like I'm an American and guess what I have this right um, because I was born here. And that's not the point. Jesus is literally saying he, he's not saying for um, you know Kindle and I talked the other day about Jonah. Um, we, we, we're, we were talking about like what nationalism is, is some of the hardest struggle that we have to deal with. And, and we're, talking, we're talking about Jonah, who was a fantastic Jew and was doing the right things, but he didn't want to go change the people. You know, he wanted them to stay the way that they were because they weren't believers and that he just thought they were so good that why couldn't God bless them? And that's not the case. God is... Um, coming back for all people, all nation, all tribes, all tongues. We know that. We see that in Revelation. And so um, to make the answer really long, um, it, the answer for me in the way that I see it is we have to first acknowledge that we might be wrong. For now on, when you give hard answers like that, I'd like you to warn me so I could sound a siren and say, be careful, politics may get disrupted here. but hey on page four it says opening ourselves to the truth of god's word is dangerous it's dangerous because it's going to make us uncomfortable we're going to be viewed as radical uh people in the church are going to think we're crazy and we've gone liberal people outside the church are going to think we're crazy and we've gone too conservative we're going to make everyone uncomfortable and yet that's what jesus did and he was called a friend of sinners and he was surrounded by uh, people we would think were the dregs of society. So, you know what? I'm all in. Let's do it. Amen. 
I'll I'll add this in, and you know, we talked. We had a we had a phone call the other day about being we're being vulnerable with each other. So I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable um, here on the podcast. Um, you know, obedience in terms of like like doing the simple things where you live and like meeting neighbors is something that I don't necessarily do like I should. Um, I don't really know a lot of any of the neighbors around me because I don't necessarily put myself out there and say, Hey, um, how are you doing? How's life? And I never invite them over. And so, um, that's something that I could, I could possibly work on is, is just being, um, around, you know, around where I live. Yeah. I go to work and, you know, I interact with, I interact with students, interact with, with colleagues and stuff like that. And so I try to be a positive light there, um, in my job and coaching and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, where I live and, and the people that I'm around here, like I, I could, I could make a positive influence in the lives of, of those around me. And that's something that I have not been doing. So I just wanted to be a little bit vulnerable with you to say that, Hey, we don't, we don't have it together. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to see Jesus. We want him to transform us, but we still got growing to do. We still got to improve in, in our righteousness through him. So. Dude, that's right on you and Hunter both have hit on it. Um, it can be very easy to slip into, uh, we're doing it right. We have all the answers and everybody else sucks. Uh, so thank you. And thank you Hunter earlier for saying that. Because uh, we don't, none of us have it all together. None of us are living this out, um, you know, close to what we should be. So, uh, amen, brother. Kendall, last word. Man, I just think, I think for me, the big thing that I feel like God continues to tell me in my walk with him and obedience is grace. Grace to myself, grace to others. Don't be so quick to judge others or to shame yourself because you're not getting it right obedience is tough it is hard even jesus in the garden of gethsemane struggled with obedience and uh and still chose obedience because he was perfect but it's it's a struggle to follow what god calls us to do and so as a community of believers we have to hold on to each other and give each other grace and encourage one another into the fullness of christ I'd say obedience is also a muscle. Uh, it's like a willpower. You you have to start with something small like uh, obeying simple traffic laws, right? I mean, if we can follow the speed limit and come to complete stops, then um, we can do you're bigger right. things. You're, <laughs> you're right. That is not an inside joke for all those listening. There, there is not a single person who's specifically a pastor who has trouble with uh, basic traffic laws and violations. <laughs> But in all seriousness, if you can obey in the little things, then you can obey in bigger things as you go. Way to be passive aggressive. You're welcome. That was not grace. Well, that's a wrap on the first episode of the Practical for the Pew podcast. So for Kendall, Hunter, Rhodes, I'm Brandon. And we want to say thanks for listening, Mom. (laughs) 